The nail in the coffin! It's episode number 66 of The Nail. Tom Valentino, Travis Uli, recording on Saturday morning. Trav, how are you feeling, bud? I'm feeling well, Tino. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, uh, it's a few times now we've done these Saturday morning deals, and uh, I'm starting to like it. Yeah, they, uh, we, we find a good uh, good stride here when we get going middle of the weekend. Yeah, not bad at all. So, um, for those of you who are checking us out for the first time, welcome aboard. We're a Cleveland sports podcast. But today, we are heading down I-71 towards Columbus, and we're going to talk a little bit of hockey. The uh, Columbus Blue Jackets are wrapping up a really great regular season, and they're going to be heading to the Stanley Cup playoffs here uh, in uh, early to mid-April. And for those of us, um, those of you who are like me, uh, kind of jumping on the bandwagon, um, this is a, this is going to be a fun episode because we've got uh, the guy who always gets the party started before every game at Nationwide Arena. Uh, Leo Welsh, who has sung our national anthem for the Blue Jackets games, um, joins us. Uh, Leo, welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, how long have you been doing this now? Is it uh, 03, I think? 2003 was the first year, Tom. It was uh, in the first year I split the season. So I was I was half the national anthem singer. The other half was a young lady named, uh, now I can't even remember her name now, because she's gone, because she left town. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, she she had had the season. Libby, Libby, Libby was her name. Um, I wasn't there on nights when she sang, so I, it's, it's fair that I don't know her name because she was singing. So, well, she's uh, the Brian Dunkelman to your Ryan Seacrest there, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, yeah, just... that's a blast from the past, Robin. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a deep class. <laughs> um, all right, so it's it's a little different with with hockey, right? Because like you know, other sports, you get somebody different to do the anthem before every game, but. Um, is right. it just kind of an NHL protocol that there's one person that's uh, kind of there for every game? Yeah, it, it's a it's a hockey tradition for sure. Um, you know, many of the clubs have their own person and, and have for years. And, uh, you know, the, the Rangers, the Flyers, uh, even the, the Kings and, you know, the, the Coyotes. There, there's some of the clubs do this. They have this tradition because it's just part of hockey tradition. Other clubs do bring in a, a different person every night or, or groups. Um, but you know, we've embraced this tradition luckily for me here in Columbus. So, uh, to the, yeah, Victor go the spoils, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, you know, I, I was thinking about this, how many people associated with the blue jackets organization have been, um, with the team longer than you have at this point, it's gotta be a pretty <laughs> short list. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> it probably is a short list. I've seen a couple of GMs come and go and uh, many coaches and, uh, captains and, and those things. So, um, yeah, I try not to think about that because <laughs> my name could be uh, on that block <laughs> before I would like it to be. So, nah, no chance, no chance, wouldn't do it. You have a T-shirt now; they can't get rid of you. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Those people at homage, they're, I, I can say that on on here, right? Yes. Oh, sure. Okay, good. Yeah, those people they were really nice to uh, come up with this idea for a T-shirt. Approach me about it when the Jackets were having that huge winning streak back in December. Um, and I was all for it, obviously. So, uh, yeah, that I do have a t-shirt now. My, my dad at once wants to know when the, uh, when the fall line comes out, what I'm going to be offering. <laughs> well, we, yeah, uh, you'll be on sweatshirts and all that stuff soon. It's going to be its own yeah. line. 
that'd be great. I'd be all for it. So I don't know. We love homage. I'm actually wearing one of their shirts right now. But uh, you know, yeah, that uh, that was super cool. I uh, you know I'm on their email list and uh, I get the newsletter every day and. Um, I was not aware that that was in the works uh, for you. So when I saw your face pop up in an homage email, uh, what was that about a week or so ago? I was uh, I was thrown for a loop. Um, but you know the the so the shirt actually uh, it says Leo in all capital letters with a big exclamation point. That's obviously a reference um, for those who follow the team to you know the the big crowd chant when you come out onto the the ice to perform before the game. How did that whole thing get started? You know, I've met about, I don't know, uh, 4,000 people who who started it um, by themselves. So I, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure oh, yeah, the first guy to do it. I was the yeah. first one that did that. I was the first one. And, and you know what? Maybe they were. Maybe they all did it on the exact same day. Um, but it was actually, geez, this has to be like 2006 or 2007. They started doing that. And uh, it was actually on a night when my parents, they never come to the games because they live in uh, St. Clairsville. But um they were there and my boss Kimberly Kershaw was like, do you hear them like starting to chant something before you start singing? And I'm like, you know, I don't want to give a crowd a chance to yell something at me before I'm about to sing. seems like a real bad idea. You know, they might come up with something that throws me off my game or, you know, you know, doesn't necessarily go well with the national anthem. Right. I mean, you know, we're, it is kind of a serious song and they might be like, you know, you suck right before I start or something. I don't, I, I don't know what they want to do. So she's like, well, let's just see where it goes. And um, it it is gone, and it's gone to a T-shirt apparently. So um, I got to give Kimberly all the credit to uh, convincing me to give a pause before I start for the fans. Well, it's probably good that it was those four thousand fans um, who all individually <laughs> started that chant, and it wasn't one of us uh, who used to uh, play NCAA O two on the uh, PlayStation Two back in the River Park apartments back in the day, because we probably wouldn't have been so nice to you. So. No, that, and I was probably thinking of you guys when uh, those moments were coming up, <laughs> things that had been yelled at me many, many times. <laughs> play your game. So. Flashbacks, vicious flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, just picking up a phone, yelling, play your game, and just hanging up. You know, just <laughs> wonderful stuff. Uh, yeah, that among other things. Um, all right, yeah. <laughs> so let's... Uh, Let's talk about the team a little bit here. Um, sure. You know, two years ago, uh, Jackets were in the playoffs, uh, had a nice season. I think they pushed the uh, the Penguins to, a, what was it, six games in the first round. And uh, yeah. I, know, I know there were some high hopes going into last year. Things didn't really go so well. So what went wrong last season, and what have been the biggest reasons that uh, the team's not only really gotten back on track, but really taken off this year? Well, I, it's hard for me to say what went wrong, because – it doesn't make sense that it went wrong. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense that it went wrong. Um, they they had a great team. I mean, we have the same team now that we had then, with ex- save for a few guys that we'll get to. But you know, they started off that season zero and eight last year, and it just that's a huge hole to climb out of in hockey. I mean, that's just it's like losing your first four games in in the NFL. You, you're, you're not going to make it. It's just it's not going to happen. Um, so it's hard to say what went wrong. Bob Bobrovsky was wasn't perfect to start the season off. Uh, you know, he wasn't, wasn't as sharp as he's been. So um, it's, it's, I can't say what went wrong. I can't say what's gone right. <laughs> what's gone right is Bob. Uh, the goaltender, he's on pace to be the Vesna winner. I, I would think um, he has the most wins, best save percentage. And uh, yeah, he, he's just a killer. So anytime he's on the ice, our chances of winning go through the roof. Um, the other big reason is a rookie defenseman named Zach Warinsky, uh, who, if it weren't for Austin Matthews 
having a great season for Toronto. He, he, you know, Austin Matthews was the number one overall pick uh, in this year's draft. He's an American kid. He's from uh, Phoenix, of all places. Um, oh, hockey country. Ho- hockey country. That's right. Um, which is a lot like what's going on in Columbus. I mean, we're, you know, he's from Phoenix, but he played hockey because the Arizona um, Coyotes are there, and they have a you know development. Uh, going on with uh, youth hockey well the same thing's happening here in central ohio and we've got all kinds of kids you know getting ready to make their way into the you know college hockey and uh, hopefully the nhl one day so it all it all grows from from a club being in your town um and quickly back to um columbus specifically how different does the city feel because i'll full disclosure i moved to columbus in 2003 and i lived there for 12 years quite Uh frankly cbj were never really much to no one really they were okay and everybody you know everyone was a a casual fan and no one really cared about them and at the end of the day the three biggest sports in columbus were ohio state football ohio state football and ohio state football i would say the Um, third i'd say the third biggest one would be ohio state recruiting but you're close okay go on that's okay (laughs) (laughs) connected to one another but yeah so um does does the city have like I'm not there now, so I can't see it firsthand. How different is the city sort of handling the team and, and, you know, embracing them as they, as they look like a legit contender for the first time? Cause even when they went to the playoffs, I don't know that anyone really thought they were going to do any damage. It was just sort of cool that they got there. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, in the past years when they've made it, we've, I think we made the playoffs on the last day of the regular season. I mean, we, we just made it, you know, and, and the, it's great to make it, but, yeah, and that's an accomplishment in and of itself, but sure. it's, it's sort of, that's the accomplishment. You're not really looking or expecting much else from it. Yeah, but this year we're one of the big dogs in the tournament where nobody wants to play us. So it's completely different. Um, but th- to answer your question, you know, they're getting a lot of coverage on, on, on the news that they didn't usually get. You know, the paper obviously covers them a lot. They're, they're vested in the Blue Jackets. Um, it, it, it does feel different to me. People are talking hockey with me that I didn't know you know, cared about hockey or, or the blue jackets, but, but winning cures all evils. Um, and everybody, everybody loves it. You know, our team is winning, whether they know what a power play is or what icing is or not, they don't care as long as if their, if their team is winning, they, they love it. So I, I have seen a lot, a big difference. A lot of people want to talk a lot more hockey with me. How are nice. And is it showing, I don't know, I guess I haven't paid too much attention to Columbus uh-huh. attendance, but are, are, is it pretty much a sellout on a nightly basis at this point? Uh, at this point, pretty yes. Close? Yeah, at this point, yes. They, they have set a record this year for sellouts in a season, um, okay. which, you know, considering that that first year, they, they had a bunch of sellouts just because it was the new thing to do. Um, they, the uh, attendance is, is winning, <laughs> winning cures all evils. So, People want to come out and see them. Uh, we got the Flyers today at two o'clock. Expected to be a sellout. You know, two o'clock game. Kids can come, have a good time. So, I would, I would say, I would say from here to the end of the season, they're all going to be sellouts. Leo, just we only got we only got four more home games. So, okay. yeah, season's wrapping up here pretty quick, yeah. isn't it? Leo, let me ask you this. You know, as somebody who's been, uh, you know, around the team, going back to you know some of those darker days, a season like this, how rewarding is it for you? It's, it's, it's very fun. It's very fun. Um, you know, during that 16 game winning streak, um, my buddy, Andy, you know, Andy Wildman, you remember him? Oh, sure. He, he would call me all the time. Like, man, you guys are drunk on the blue jackets. You know? Yeah. Yeah, we are. We actually, uh, I had a saying, you know, you know, uh, you know how they say you can't win them all. 
Well, it turns out you can. It turns out you can <laughs> win them all. You can win all of them. I mean, we were just, I mean, it was just, a, anything happened that was right. Everything happened that was right. You know, we just kick one in. They wouldn't, yeah, Toronto was on our side. Everything just, it was just amazing. It was just fantastic run for that 16 games. And hopefully uh, we win 16 games in the playoffs, which I think means the Stanley Cup comes it. home to yeah, Columbus. Yeah, that should do it. That should do it. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. And I'll admit, like, I so I lived in Columbus and I went to Ohio State and all my friends. And it's sort of funny because I feel like people don't realize this about Columbus. A lot of people that live in Columbus aren't from there. They went to Ohio State and just stayed after college. Right. Um, so, like, I have good friends there and they're Penguins fans and Red Wings fans and fans of whatever team because that's who they grew up liking. Um, so I think there, pro- there probably have been quite a few people that jumped on the CBJ now. Um but I, don't I mean, I have, I have a close friend, like a, a natural fit, as people might think. Yeah, I mean, I have, I have some friends that were Red Wings fans, and they they're making the the switch this year. And I, I mean, okay. they're like, you know, yeah. He's like, you know, my my kids like the Blue Jackets because we live here, and I, I'm making the switch. I'm 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 all in. I'm like, come on, man. Next year when the when the Wings are in, you're not gonna. He's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Take notes, Browns. That's how you get young fans. <laughs> With not, truth, not with shitty Fubu jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those things are terrible. <laughs> They're bad. They're bad. 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 Um. Um. Sorry. No. No. Uh. So, Leo, Leo, let me ask you this. You know, we've got the AHL affiliate for the Blue Jackets up here in Cleveland, the Monsters, and oh, um, sure. they uh, they won the Calder Cup last year. And uh, you know, can you kind of give us a few of the other guys? from that team who are, you know, helping to really make a difference in Columbus this year? Yeah. I mean, I was there that night. They won. I don't know if you oh, know, nice. I was, I was actually, I sang the anthem before the game. So that was, that was pretty, that was pretty sweet. Let me see who else is on this team. There was uh, Zach Rinsky who, you know, he, he just came up, he was at university of Michigan last year. Yeah. And then after their season ended, joined the monsters just for the playoffs was the best player was the best defenseman in the playoffs to win the, win the cup. And now it's made a huge jump to be uh, with the big club. Just can't, I don't know if I could say enough about Zach Wierenski and what difference he's made to the club. Um, a kid named Lucas Sedlak. Uh, he's a center. Nobody really thought he was going to, I guess I should say that he was fifth, his fifth round pick. And he's just tough as nails. Um, who else do we have? Oliver Bjorkstrand has come up. Now he, he's, they want him to start the season up here. Um, and it didn't work out. So he got sent back to the monsters and had, you know, some growing pains. And then they brought him up a few weeks ago and he's just been a scoring machine. I mean, just fantastic. He got boarded the other night. So he's, he's, he's not on the, the ice today, uh, but he's played real well. Marcus Hanekainen, um, left winger. It, it, oh, my boy, Josh Anderson. Can't forget, can't forget my boy, Josh Anderson, uh, 34. He's, he's a beast. And just, he's, you know, this, Winning, learning to win, learning to play hard and win. Coach Tortorella says it made a big difference seeing those guys, letting them have that development last year in Cleveland instead of, you know, in Columbus, uh, made a big difference for the club. Yeah, speaking of growing pains, um, I want to go back to who you were talking about earlier, goalie Bob. Um, He's had sort of an interesting career, I feel like, because when he first came on the scene, he came out like lights out was just incredible. And then 
had a huge regression to the point where um, I can remember people, you know, wondering, you know, is this guy even, should he even be on the ice? Should he even be their goalie or should they just cut bait and go to someone else? Um, and luckily they didn't, they stuck with him and he's had obviously a, a bit of a renaissance season here and he's just completely turned it around. Um, as someone who I assume has, has watched a ton of, of goalie Bob over the last few years, what's that transformation look like from, you know, young superstar to sort of a goat for a while and now back to what they sort of hoped he would be. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was such an interesting way that we acquired him even, even going back a little farther than that. You know, we, we got him from Philadelphia and we trade, we traded for Bob for like, you know, like a fifth round pick or something. I forget what it was. We'll have to look it up, but we also traded them our young superstar goalie that was having trouble, Steve Mason. So we kind of like switched goalies with them. I forgot the, about Mason. Yeah, not in the same trade, but like in the same off season. Or, no, I think they were on the same team for for a few yeah, months. Yeah, I think they. Yeah, I think he he backed up Mason. I think at one point when yeah, that's right. And then and his like his awesome streak was as a backup, basically. Yeah, and then they that's right. Then they sent Mason to Philadelphia that summer, and then they've never looked back. And then Bob has the Vesna year. You're right. Um, then he has some groin issues. Um, and so he put on some, some muscle and some weight to try. Well, I, you know, I'm not a professional athlete. That's the way they protect their groin. I don't know how I would protect my groin, but putting on more weight, <laughs> but, um, that's what he did. And that didn't seem to work for him. So he had, had another trouble. And so like this off season, I mean, this guy's, if you ever seen him with the shirt off, he's not fat. He's, he's all muscle. He lost 16 pounds this summer. And that's what he credits his quickness um, this year too. Now, now he also did a lot of stretching. I don't know what, but he says it's all preparation that has made the difference for him this year. Uh, he's, he's fantastic. He's the best. So he, it, it sort of sounds like he's not really doing anything different on the ice. He's just in better. He's just not getting condition hurt. in shape to do <laughs> yeah. the job. Right. Yeah. That's, huh. that's what he says. So, and I got to believe him. I mean, he's, I don't know if you've ever heard him interviewed. He is hilarious. He's absolutely hilarious because he he kind of plays the broken English card sometimes. But and you know, they ask know. him, <laughs> yeah, he knows. And they ask him like stupid questions, like Bob, you look really good out there. How did it feel? He'll be like, it felt great. It felt great. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's a stupid that's... question. Hockey you know, guys in general are a different breed, man. I think just there's a lot of guys out there. I think that's something that hockey doesn't do a great job of marketing as the personalities of the guys, because I mean, I, I can't, I, I see vi my one friend, he's a hockey junkie and he'll just send me videos all the time of look at how funny this guy is. And they are, all of them are out there just being idiots and having a good time for the most part. And I don't, I think the NHL could be better served if, you know, they sort of showed faces and sort of the, an issue that the NFL has is the guys are running around in helmets and no one sees their faces. Right. Um, and I think the NHL would benefit quite a bit if they were able to. I don't want them to take the face masks off because I think that people that play without masks are fucking insane. But right, they're uh, they're gonna yeah they're gonna put cages on them eventually. Yeah. Oh, is that are they going to that? I'll bet they have to, don't they? I mean, I would think so. It makes sense, but they had quite an uproar when they had to go to the, just the the shield visor. Yeah. Out. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know, but I mean, like I said, there's guys that I feel like they just don't give enough attention to and there's only really a handful of guys i think in the nhl that are that are everyday you know household names to the average fan yeah, you're, um, 
that isn't a big hockey fan. Yeah, everybody knows who Sidney Crosby is, I think. I think they do. Um, yeah, and he, uh, when he's not taking cheap shots, the guy's cutting dude's fingers off like he did this week. Or Patrick Kane. I think everybody knows who he is. Um, and not for the best reasons. Probably but... not for the best reasons. <laughs> I'm, I'm, lady, look I'm, out, ladies of Buffalo. Look out. I'll admit, I'm a, uh, I'm a Blackhawks fan because back in – it was probably about 2008, 2009. I was watching the Stanley Cup playoffs with my friends mm-hmm. in college, my college buddies, and they were all fans of other teams. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to root for any of your teams. I can't root for the CBJ because they sucked at the time. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to pick a team to get into. Um, And I got a bunch of family in Chicago, and none of my friends were Blackhawks fans. I'm like, all right, this is going to be my team. And I kept up with them quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah, it turned out well since then. Um, And the funny thing is, like, they really just held me over for the LeBron years. Um, Uh When LeBron was in Miami, I had something else to watch. Um, so I didn't have to watch the NBA playoffs. Um, and admittedly, a couple of years ago, when the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup, the Cavs lost the finals the very next day. So I like didn't get any time to enjoy it at all. Um, <laughs> but it's sort of funny that they like they go up against each other. And I wait, am I so, they, I'm, wait, am I supposed to feel bad for you because you've seen your team win a championship because your other team didn't? To be fair, the Blackhawks they're really just like <laughs> my casual like backup team. I'm not like hardcore Blackhawks fan. I pretend I am just because people off okay. are actually lifelong fans. Um, but no, it, I feel like they have a heart. They don't share a lot of fans. I feel like for the most part, um, the NHL and the NBA, and obviously the NBA is is insanely popular right now. Um, but I, I guess I just don't know. What do you think? Do you think there's anything the NHL can do to really like become? A, a larger, you know, larger piece of the of the fan pie, or do you think they're playing it well by sort of embracing the because they have a lot of diehard hockey fans. The, the counterculture, yeah. favorite one, and and that's that's probably their bread and butter now. And do you think it's it's a better strategy, sort of just you know take take what you have now and make sure that you cater to those people who love the sport and don't get them disenfranchised with it? Well, it it's 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 that four letter network, right? I mean, getting on that four-letter network seems to be what makes you wildly popular. Um, and they had an offer a, a couple summers ago to to sign up with with ESPN again, and they passed. And they stayed with NBC just to be on on the weekends and on NBC Sports, you know, Wednesday night rivalry night. And uh, I mean, they they must they have accountants and they must know what what was better for them. But to me. I think you're right. I mean, it just seems like ESPN is the is the machine that just drives marketing, and if if you're not on it, you don't exist. In some yeah, ways, I, I guess I don't. I don't. Admittedly, I don't watch much uh, Sports Center anymore. I just I, it, I I get all my news basically online for sports. I don't I don't feel the need to sit in front of the TV for an hour and watch Sports Center anymore. Oh, but um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because they're used. They used to have those segments with Barry Melrose, you know, where it would. They give hockey, you know, maybe maybe eight to ten minutes a show, and that's doesn't sound like a lot for an hour show, but for hockey, it was a huge amount. Um, and I don't even I don't know what they give them anymore. Well, when I was a kid, there was a show called NHL Tonight. I mean, it was just like the NBA show. I mean, it was they were on together. There wasn't I don't an know NBA if I show. Could name, I don't know if I can name another NHL guy that's on ESPN other than Barry Melrose. I don't even know if he still is, quite frankly, but he's the only one I can really recall being on there and in any regular basis. Yeah, it, it pretty much just is Barry. Um, but then John Bucci 
the uh, the anchor. He's he's big in. He's hockey. a big hockey fan. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's always those two. Those, 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 that's it for hockey on on ESPN. Yeah, and that's really the thing, and I, th- I think what you guys are just kind of explaining here is if you know you take your broadcasting rights for your games over to ESPN, it's not just the benefit you have of, of having your games on there; it's just the visibility on all of their other programming, whether it's you know Sports Center like you guys are talking about, or that you know First Take show, or any of their other you know fifty million talking head shows that they have, because. At that point, it's in their best interest as a network to raise the visibility of that league as much as they can because it makes their ratings for the games better. So, oh my God! I mean, all the the, the NBA stuff on Mike and Mike, I have to turn it off. I mean, I, I I can't stand it. I mean, it's just it's just too much. At the same time, I don't want any world where Stephen A. Smith starts talking hockey. <laughs> that just the seems Detroit like a national nightmare. Red Wings are terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, everyone's terrible um, except for Crosby. Crosby's a superstar, and um, he probably loves PK Subban. Right. Uh, all right. Oh, PK would definitely be his guy. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, he's a good player, though. Oh yeah, he he's is. a hell of a player. He's talented. Hell of a player. Yeah. All right, Leo. I have to ask you this. Explain to me how the hell the NHL playoffs work, because like I, I was kind of you know brushing up on this a little bit before we jumped on this morning, and I'm looking at like the potential playoff matchups, and like right now there's basically three teams in the East that are far and away better than everybody else. You got um, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Columbus that are all kind of tightly grouped together, and then there's the whole you know five through eight, or, or I'm sorry, four through eight that are going to fill out the rest of the Eastern conference playoff picture how in the hell are like two of those top three teams going to end up playing each other in the first round well so um two years ago they wanted to make when they switched over to these uh two divisions in each conference they switched to uh the winner of each division plays the 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 two wildcard teams okay um from there then they leave it to a, a divisional rivalry so they want they want to feed into these division rivalries. They want Pittsburgh and Columbus to play each other. They they see that as good for good for business. That you know you hate you hate playing Pittsburgh because you beat them in the playoffs or they beat you in the playoffs. So they're getting what they want. Now everyone doesn't agree that uh, this year it doesn't seem fair. But if we went back, if we go back to what it used to be, there were three divisions in each conference. So it would be the top three from each each division would have gotten the first round but played the, the lower three and then the middle two teams would have ended up playing each other well that this year that would still be columbus and pittsburgh mm. even in the old format we're still playing, we're still playing pittsburgh right now so i guess back in like 1982 for one year i heard this the other day on the radio they did uh they just reseeded all the teams regardless of conference one through 16 and they just played it that way. So, you know, the best teams played the worst teams all the way to the end. And they did that. One, I think they did it one year because everybody hated it because it wasn't like, you know, <laughs> Eastern Conference teams were playing Western Conference teams in the first round. It's like, well, this isn't, you know. Right. Isn't Everyone's tra- traveling cross country every other night for two months. There was some talk yeah, it, with uh, some people had floated that exact idea out for the NBA because there was that talk for a few years anyway that the West was so much better than the East. And, 
Um, you know, it's kind of balanced out a little bit now. And I don't really think those talks have gotten anywhere, but um, I know yeah, that these idea things are floating. cyclical. These things are cyclical. It'll, it'll, you know, I hope, I hope for the next four years that it's Washington, Pittsburgh and Columbus fighting for the first spot. I mean, we all are a hundred points at this point in the season and everybody else sucks. I hope that's great. That would, that would be, that would be fantastic, but you can't just change it on one year. I mean, you can't just, even if, even if we're the ones on the outside looking in, you can't change it for one year. At the same time though, I get sort of, and it feels a little forced, but I think sometimes you have to do that. You got to, you know, force these things to happen. Um, but at the same time, don't if, if if everyone's in agreement that the three best teams right now um, in the are east. in the east are Washington, Pittsburgh, and Columbus. Don't you want them to be? You know, don't you want it to be more geared towards those being the guys that are playing in the conference finals? And if, if you're knocking one of them out right off the bat. That's what's going to happen. Pittsburgh, in well, if it holds like it is, but who knows? One of those two, one of those one, three teams, those teams is going to be, be eliminated in the first round, in the first round no matter yes. what. Don't you, wouldn't you want it in a way where those teams can, you know, be sort of building towards that big matchup later in the playoffs? I yeah, feel like that's a, 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 a more appealing thing. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, and the other thing about this is, is once, <laughs> once we play. Okay, let's say let's say it finishes like it is, and Columbus finishes third. They'll have to play Washington, or they'll have to play Pittsburgh in round one. Then they would have to play the winner of Washington and uh, whoever they play. So they could have to play Pittsburgh, then Washington. Then they could end up playing the Rangers. It could be all Metro teams on the way to the Stanley Cup. I mean, it it it's it doesn't seem fair, I guess. But man, it would be awesome, wouldn't it? When I just I get I get excited about it. I mean, I mean the, yes, teams. that run would be that run would be would be very exciting. But um, I, I look at it sort of from nearly every other sport. I don't want to play the best team available every round because nah, play, 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 playoffs make it harder. Everybody's good. Win. Playoffs are tough. Everybody's good. I'm I'm good. But with is, it. Is, Bring it on. is Toronto good? The same as Washington good? No. So, so, so that's a little different. I mean, yeah, you get into the playoffs, you got to be a decent team, but I don't know. I guess from a, from a competitive balance point, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I, I guess I can get why they're trying to create these regional rivalries, but overall, if I'm if I'm a CBJ fan and I got to run through that gauntlet, I'm going to be a little salty when they lose, if and when they lose, no matter what. But we're not going to lose <laughs> because well, we got Bob. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. Yeah. All right. Go, all right, I changed my mind. Go CBJ. I'm on board now. <laughs> all right. Um, We're not going to lose. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Well, um, that feels like, unfortunately, the perfect segue um, to uh, a, a team that um, actually loses quite often. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> our Cleveland Browns. Uh, Leo, you're a big Browns fan. And, you know, when I talked to you earlier in the week, uh, you wanted to make sure that we we talked a, a little bit of Browns here before we let you go. Um, so I, I guess the best place to start is is with this. Um, how do you feel about what they've done so far in the off season? Uh, I, I'm not I'm not real thrilled that that Pryor's not on the team, um, especially when you hear the numbers that he turned down from them and then took somewhere else. 
Um, doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Maybe he got a little butt hurt over it and thought they should have t- paid him $15 million. <laughs> Sorry, $15 million. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, but yeah, uh, he was, he was developing pretty well, but he, he needs to be your number two receiver. Um, so, uh, who did they pick up? What's the receiver's name that did get Kenny Britt? Yeah. Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt's a nice player. Um, probably one of the better receivers we've had in years, honestly. Um, but he's not a number one receiver either. Also not a number one receiver. Also not a number one receiver. Who's going to throw him the damn ball is the question. I mean, we can have all the, you know, we can have any receiver you want, but unless he, unless he has time to throw him the ball and can throw it accurately, uh, it, none of it, none of it, none of this matters. None of this. Matters. Of the litany so, of names that have been thrown out for candidates to throw people the ball, who do you want? If you could have your pick of any, any of the names that have been thrown around, which God. one would you take if you could? I mean, what are they going to do with Osweiler? I mean, are they going to are they going to let him come to camp just to throw practice balls to people because they got to pay him anyway? I mean, they're paying him either way. If right. you can't get anything for him, I. I know he looked horrible last year, and that's valid, okay. But they're paying him either way. They kind of took a gamble, I think, on seeing if they could get another pick out of it. They did get a second-round pick, and they maybe see if they could get something else. But I don't really see the harm in keeping him around. I don't Um, don't either. Whether that means he should be the starter or not, I don't know. But um, everyone seems like absolutely not. We don't – he shouldn't play, but – if he's on your team, what do you care? Really? You might as well, you know, kick the tires a little bit, see what he's got. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, the, he's probably the best option on the roster. Um, well, probably. in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. So, <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> Valid. Are yeah. there any guys in the draft or like a Jimmy Garoppolo or oh, man. Kirk Come Cousins on. type that you'd actually want? Kirk Cousins is a nice player. Um I don't think he. I don't think he's a difference maker. I mean, I, I think he's a nice NFL quarterback. Now, that would be something we've we've not seen in Cleveland for a while. So, again, the one-eyed man. Um, but man, I'll tell you what. If if Watson is there at at eight, right? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah, if Watson's there at twelve. God, they gotta take him. See, see, I don't know. I like Watson the most of the guys in. in in the draft too, but I just, this draft is so loaded with defense. And if there's like uh if Malik Hooker or Jamal Adams from LSU are there at 12, um, I'm, I'm sprinting up to the podium <laughs> when that clock turns, if either one of them are there. Yeah. I, it, it's going to be an interesting draft day. It always is for us, right? That's the sad part. It's always this is our, Super Bowl. It's our Super Bowl. It's our Super Bowl. But, I mean, they're going to take the pass rusher with one, right? That's is that set in stone yet? If I, I haven't read it, but I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think it would be a major upset if if Miles Garrett doesn't get drafted number one. Miles Garrett, yeah. So they're taking Miles Garrett, um, and then what they do at twelve, I don't know. I I'll tell you what, man. If Watson's there, I'd have a hard time not taking him. But you're right. I mean, you also the Browns haven't been able to stop anybody from running the ball in years. Um, just demoralizing. So I don't know. I don't know. The guys, the guys making the picks scare me, right? (laughs) I I don't know. I guess I don't, I don't know if, if we really have a true grasp, how much input Hugh Jackson gets to have in picking guys. And I think that's sort of where 
I'm most curious and, and most of my faith lies, whether it exists or not, is are they actually consulting the football guy or are they a hundred percent all in on this analytics approach? Um, if they're, if they're using the analytics and, and sort of melding it with Hugh, then I'm, then I think I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. If they're like all in on this Moneyball approach, then I'm probably a little more hesitant to go with them. I think. Yeah, it, I think I think you're really onto something there. I mean, the, the, Hugh has to have some say on what's what's going to come onto his field. I mean, or especially else... at quarterback. Yes. Yes. So I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what if Hugh likes if Hugh likes the quarterback. I think we'll take him at twelve. But you're right. I mean, they might just say no. This guy's got a bigger pinky, and <laughs> you have to take him. <laughs> His hands are a quarter inch too small. We can't do it. That's right. Well, I'll tell you, you like know. Pre- go ahead, like Leo. the president. Like the president's got small hands. <laughs> oh. <laughs> small uh, hands, among other things. But uh, um, <laughs> hey, we, you, you know, the, talking about Osweiler a minute ago. You know, in just the way this front office operates, I, we didn't really talk about it on here at all at the time, but. What was really so interesting about that trade to me when they acquired him was that it was really more about the second round pick. And right. he was, I mean, there was talk already on within 20 minutes after that trade was finalized that he probably wasn't going to be on the roster long. And, you know, to this point, they, they've still got him and they haven't found any takers. But, I mean, it seems clear that he's that they're not viewing him as a long term solution. And really the goal of that trade was um getting the second to round buy a pick. pick and yeah, to buy a draft pick. Yeah, and that's that's a really different approach than any NFL team has really used. I mean, it's um it's an it, NBA it's an NBA approach. Yeah, I was going to say it, it's you know, we we use the term moneyball, you know, thinking analytics or whatever, but it's really it's it's kind of more of like the 76ers in the NBA and and what they've done <laughs> right. and how they've tried to build their team and you know, the jury's still out as to whether that's all going to work for them or not, but um, I'll be honest. It's like, not, I know it's not going to work. It's not, yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> that's probably fair, but, um, I'll just, I'll say this, you know, I think a lot of other teams around the league probably don't want to see it work because there's a real conventional wisdom in terms of how you build your team and how you construct your roster and how you acquire talent. And what the Browns, at least to this point, 15 months or so into this regime, it seems like they're trying to go about it in a really different way. And I think it's going to create a real headache for a lot of other teams that are stuck in the mud around the league. If they're trying to do it the old way. And um, I mean, it's interesting. If the Browns are are successful. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's always the, the, the giant caveat hanging over everything. And I mean, they've got a long way to go, but um, I think that approach uh, I'll be really interested to see draft day because They've got, I mean, what is it, like 11 picks in, in this year's draft and next year's draft? Some sort of obscene number of picks. And I think a lot of that is, you know, you're not necessarily getting all of those draft picks with the idea that you're going to draft that many guys. It's packaging some of those up so you can you know, move up to a certain spot in the middle rounds and get a guy that you really want. But the flip side of that is they had like 14 picks or something last year and they used all of them. And they had, you know, a third of their roster was rookies, so... Uh, I think this draft will be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, they did take all those picks last year, but it, but a lot of those wide receivers would they take like five wide receivers, four or five? Right. I think four. I think they still have four of them on the team, and, and 
I don't know if any of them even merit keeping, quite frankly. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what's like back to my point. It scares me. The guys that are picking, I mean, great. They've got all these picks, but you got to take the right guys. It doesn't, you know, I think they're just going with the shotgun approaches. You know, if we just fire this at the wall and three of them stick, that's a win. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some, there's, I think there's some validity to that, but you need to know when that's, when, when, you know, the guy isn't there. Um, and quite frankly, I just, I didn't see anything. They got a guy who was calling himself Hollywood. Um, <laughs> what do you have? Like three catches last year. Um, I feel like you, you can't have that nickname until you get in the end zone. Maybe, um, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. This, yeah. but it seems like a lot of guys who I, I hear about, I hear the names a lot, but I hear about them Monday through Saturday. Yeah. Coleman was having a nice year. I mean, yeah, he, he was the first pick. So, I mean, he's sort of excluded from that group, I think, because he had injuries and he did show some promise. But I mean, OK, that's all over now. Now this year he's got to go. It's It's got to happen. Yep. Yep. And so we'll, and we'll see. I guess looking back to that, um, that Osweiler trade, though, I couldn't believe how many people were like livid about that trade because because of how expensive it was um i don't know how many people are like actually chipping in to pay for the browns payroll and things <laughs> their like refusal to spend someone else's money was was shocking to me i, I just didn't know what the hell was going on yeah, until oh, they don't until sorry, my they, next they, statement they, from pnc somehow reflects um <laughs> uh, that yeah, trade yeah, i i personally don't have much of a problem with it yeah, that's right. being a new, a like new card in Monopoly. All of a sudden, they had no money to spend, and they were their cap was full. Like, they still had like seventy million dollars to spend. Well, those, those people are going to be real, real upset when the Browns trade him and also retain twelve million dollars of his salary in the trade. Right. Because that's coming. If they right. trade, and that I mean that it disappears this year, so it's really a one-year thing. And, and yeah. I, I'm not, I'm just not sure if people really understood what was happening there it was it was it's 16 million dollars of cap space for this year that wasn't going to get spent anyways um and you get a second round pick out of it so who cares how much it is well and i don't think it's even necessarily just fans that didn't quite get what was happening there and, and they were all up in arms i mean it was a lot of writers who cover the nfl and just yeah, a knee-jerk reaction, so which to a degree is probably show. fair. If it's the Browns doing it, it's probably the wrong thing to do, just based on <laughs> right. past precedent. But, um, you know, I, I again, just kind of going back to them doing things so differently, I think it really kind of forces everybody to pay attention a little bit more because it it's not, you know, business as usual. And, and um, yeah, maybe on the surface it looked like uh, an outrageous amount of money. But, I mean, it's like you're saying here, if you've got the – cap flexibility to do it now which theoretically you hope is not a position you're going to be in a few years down the road because that would mean at that point you actually have guys worth paying um you know why not try something quirky like that if it's going to get you another asset to play with yeah bill polian that day was quoted on uh, on television just saying you know, this is the dumbest thing that's ever happened and you know this guy is a terrible quarterback and the browns are, the browns are sitting back in the, in the corner just nodding their head like yeah yeah, he is. But that's yep. not what this. But this—that's not what this was about, Bill. It was weird. Like all the reactions were very like instinctual, like gut reactions right off the bat. And then I think as people actually like looked into what happened and what the deal was, 
it's it made a lot more sense to people i think they're just like well yeah okay i guess it's really not that bad um you know the browns get more draft capital which they have a ton of already and if you know if they use that second round pick in a trade to get a guy like garoppolo or someone like that who they think is going to be their franchise quarterback then obviously it's worth it all of a sudden um so it's one of those things i think on on the surface everyone thought this is insane and because like you said tino like it's so different than what we're used to seeing in the nfl that we assumed it was just the browns want this player right when it appears that was actually the least valuable asset in the trade to them (laughs) right yeah it it I, it's hard. It's hard to believe. I think the Browns did something really smart. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yes, we Don't will. Quote me on that. All, Don't quote me on can, that. But all you can say to that is, "Huh, huh." <laughs> Browns did something smart, huh? You're running it back in your head to make sure you want to stick with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. All right. Uh, tra- hard to say. Trev, anything else for Leo before we let him get out of here? Uh, no, thanks for coming on, man. It's, it's interesting to hear. Um, I'll next, if I, if I make it down to the CBJ, I'll probably, uh, I'll probably be watching over at our bar. So I'll yell Leo for you and, and, uh, pay homage that way. Yeah. Well, let, let me know. And, uh, I'll, I'll stop over the R bar after the, after the game and see you. Excellent. Well, you can, uh, you could follow Leo on Twitter at Leo Welsh. I believe you, uh, you were able to actually get your, your name with, uh, no, I was in early. That's a, that's a veteran move right there. So you can go follow Leo there. Um, as for us, if this is uh, your first time checking out our show and you enjoyed it, we hope you'll stick around. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or any other podcast listening app that you might use. Um, subscribing to the show, it's really the best way to make sure you get all of our episodes as soon as they go up. And uh, we've got some really good stuff lined up here soon, so you're not going to want to miss out. You know, the uh, Indians begin their regular season in a little over a week. NBA playoffs are coming up in mid-April, and uh, we might just have another surprise or two lined up. Um, if you want to catch up on some of our past episodes, uh, every past episode is on our website, thenailpodcast.com. And go like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thenailpodcast. We put up links to every show as well as a bunch of other fun stuff. Uh, Trev, you shared a birthday on Thursday with a certain star point guard for the Cavs. Yeah, the big 3-3. Three, three. I'm the second biggest winner, born on March 23rd. Yeah, that was, uh, you I'll know. I'll take that. Absolutely. And, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, there were no uh, Travis Uli highlight reels on YouTube. But uh, I did find a... You couldn't uh, find 14 minutes for me? I, I, I'm sorry. You know what? I'm going to work on it for next year, I promise. <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, I did find a 14-minute highlight video of all of Kyrie Irving's clutch shots from throughout his career and we posted that on the facebook page um it's awesome uh i guarantee you it'll make your day if you're a Cavs fan so go check that out um all right i think that's going to cover everything we need to plug leo i know you need to get rolling uh blue jackets have their uh, matinee here at home thank you again for joining us this was a lot of fun man yeah thanks for having me on next time i'll come on and talk about how great edward and carcion is so yeah looking forward to it let's uh let's make that happen um that's good go ahead for having me all right all right that's gonna do it for us for travis uli i am tom valentino it's the nail in the coffin and we will talk to you again soon
Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.